Um, I'm also going to introduce, uh, so Dr. Tour is not here yet. He wanted to go to one of the baptisms that's happening at 11. Uh, but in the meantime, uh, Avery is going to, to share his testimony with us. So go ahead, Avery. Okay. Good morning. Um, so Dr. Tour uh, asked me to share my testimony of my experience or, or what this class has meant to me what the college class. Um, I've, I've been coming here uh, since um, 2015, or yeah, that's when I started coming here in 2015. That was uh, in the freshman, right before, in the summer, right before my freshman year. And um, in this college class, I have grown a lot. Um, I've grown a lot uh, in the scripture, grown a lot uh, as a man, um, grown and grown in my faith. And uh, one of the things that I wanted to just mention on um, why I've seen this growth uh, in me is because the scripture says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Uh, and in this class, that's what we hear, right? We hear Dr. Tour or, or some, someone else come in and, and bring the word of God and, and, and really make it applicable to today. Um, and there were about... If I could sum up maybe three things that I have uh, heard repetitively throughout um, the five years that I was here, uh, the first one would be um, uh, the the call to make a commitment to read God's word or to meditate on God's word daily. Um, that's something that w when I came here, I, I I wasn't as I guess committed in doing, but when I did commit uh, to doing that during my college time. Um, I there were a lot of good fruits that came out of that. I feel more biblically literate um, from meditating on God's word and trying to make that commitment to be it wake up in the morning to um, read God's word or read God's word before the night or anywhere in between. And so um, that's one thing that has been a blessing to me um, uh, is reading. In meditating, reading, or hearing God's word, as the uh, scripture says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Um, I guess uh, another thing that I've that I heard throughout my five years here was uh, service. And um, through this college class, uh, I was able to serve in a in a college class, uh, be that with the audio visual team, um, or in West University Baptist Church. Uh, I served in the children's ministry, and that was very fun for the season that I served in there. Um, but also, apart from um, uh, this church, serving outside of the church, too, uh, that's something that, um, yeah, that this class and Dr. Shore really taught me to do, like how to serve uh, my, be it my friends, be it my professors, um, just how to be a, a good servant and how to uh, glorify God in that. Um, one thing also uh, that... I have um, seen grow in me through this college classes was wanting to uh, evangelize, wanting to share the gospel. And I'm, I'm forgetting which year it was, maybe my junior year, uh, I sent out a text in my, in the, so I, I was a physics major at Rice, and um, I wanted to have a discussion about uh, science and faith with the students, with my fellow peers. And 
um, yeah, I sent out that, that text message uh, in the group me, and um, we basically we ate some dinner, uh, and then I was able to engage with my friends who are both believers and also unbelievers um, about matters of faith and science and in, in, in the intersection of that. I know in this class we mainly hear it from a chemistry side. Um, I tried to do the best I could to uh, share it from a physics side. Um, and uh, that not only did that encourage me, but it also encouraged the other physics majors who were believers too. Um, and so that was another thing uh, that I, uh, that through this college class I was able to grow in. Um, and I'll say the last thing uh, was, you may have heard a lot, is on relationships. Um, both, uh, yeah, be that, you know, romantic, be that um, friendships with uh, those of, of, of the same gender or sex with you. Um, and so I'd say, like, one of the things that I've really grown is knowing that, so with me having other friends who are men that I can also share life with in this class, Dr. Tour has, has talked about that a whole lot in, in making the effort to, like, meet people, um, to share life with them. That was been one thing that's been very beneficial. And so I encourage you in those three things um, was the make the commitment uh, to read God's word and meditate on it, and then the service, and then the relationships, really um, finding relationships. You should get to know at least five people in this class. If you do not know at least five people in this class, be sure to get to know them. And uh, that is my story. Thank you. Appreciate that. So I just texted Avery this morning if he could do that and share a little bit. Because um, it was Christine's son, Nathan, just got baptized downstairs. And so I had to go down and see the baptism because Christine's like a daughter to me. I've known her since she was a, uh, since she was a, I think I met her her sophomore year. And, uh, and then she started coming to this class and, and um, her husband, uh, uh, Eric started coming to this class, but they weren't husband and wife. They didn't even care for each other at all. And, and uh, Eric was a couple years ahead of her, a year or two ahead of her. And then they both went off to different medical schools. And, and uh, uh, Christine would always call Shireen, like many young women do, who have graduated and aren't married, and say, you know, am I ever going to get married? Am anybody going to like me? And... and uh, and then Shireen put the bug in my ear, and I saw Eric at a wedding. And I said, Eric, are you married? He said, no. I said, okay, I'd like to get, together, get you guys together. And uh, so we had them over to the house for, uh, for tea one evening. And then they went out, I think, to Starbucks together for more tea or something. And then the rest is history. So I've just kind of seen them since they were just young people. So it, it, it's really, really fun for us to see young people as they grow along. And I, and I just got an email from a guy that was in my class 30 years ago. And uh, he said, you probably don't remember me. I used to wear a, a big cowboy hat, and you and I went shooting handguns together a few times. I said, oh, no, I remember you. I said, I, I, I used to go shooting a fair amount with my students, but uh, I remember you, and you had the boots on and everything. And an interesting guy, he was from a small town, his father was the used car salesman, had the used car lot, and the mayor of the town. And, and so, there's always this, this interesting 
uh, 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 duality. So it's really great to be able to be with young people and to see their lives and see what happens with their lives as they, they go on with the Lord and see the faithfulness of God in people's lives. It is so good for me to be able to see that. We are going to be reading in Genesis, starting Genesis chapter 26. Let me just say, because, you know, you may have noticed that I really care to see the lost saved. And just so that you understand, I, I, I see about, I would say, on average, one person a week coming to the Lord. Uh, if, if by chance I don't see somebody come to the Lord in a week, um, I get really distressed. And I say, Lord, what did I do wrong? Uh, if I can't see at least one student coming to the Lord. And then what the Lord does, he doesn't answer me at all. But the next week he gives me four or five that get saved. So he just, he just makes, makes it all whole again and more. I really desire for people to get saved because I know what, the cha- what change happens in a life when a person gets saved. They go from darkness to light. And tomorrow, I'm actually going to be speaking at Ohio State. So I fly out tomorrow morning. I'm going to speak in the materials department in the afternoon. And then in the, uh, uh, and then, um, in the evening, I'm going to give a talk at Ohio State University on um, the mystery of the origin of life. And my brother, who lives in, in uh, uh, Columbus, Ohio, is going to attend. And I will have a gospel message there. So pray for my brother that he gets saved. Uh, he's older than me, and I always looked up to him, and uh, I just like to see him saved. And uh, um, also, my nephew and my niece might be there as well. So, so uh, they're going to hear a gospel message. It's a great way for me to be able to proclaim the message to them. Uh, and let me also mention also with, with Avery. Avery has been such a blessing to me. Avery, I've just seen him kind of grow up. You know, through this class and be so faithful. He's worked with the kids. He's done so many things with this church, serving and doing many great things. So I'm thankful for folks like that who would who would really help and 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 uh, uh, serve the Lord Jesus. We're going to talk more about that today. Let's start reading chapter 26 of Genesis. Now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham. So Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. And the Lord appeared to him and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Stay in the land of which I shall tell you. Sojourn in the land, and I will be with you and will bless you. For for to you and to your descendants, I will give all these lands. And I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven, and I will give your descendants all these lands, and by your descendants all the nations of the earth shall be blessed, because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my laws. So Isaac lived in Gerar. Okay, so... In chapter 26, verse 1, it says there was a famine in the land. This is the only chapter that actually focuses in on Isaac. There is much more written about Abraham and Jacob in the Bible than there is about Isaac. The last chapter, Isaac was mentioned, but only tangentially. And in the next chapter, Isaac will be mentioned tangentially. We skip right on over to to Jacob. So Isaac has a much lower profile. He was much more of a passive man. Um... And we're going to see his, his, more about his life. But 
it says there was a <clears throat> there was a famine in the land. There was a famine in the land. Look, I thought God, you, you're taking care of these guys like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I thought you take care of them. What's with all the famines? A famine hit in in, in uh, Genesis chapter 12. A famine hit. Um, uh, Abraham, the first year that he came into the land, God directed him into the land, and in his first year in the land, a famine hits. Well, couldn't God have directed him at some later point? No, God directed him into a land where there was going to be a famine. God brings Isaac and then hits him with a famine. You know, sometimes God allows us to go through famines, allows us to go through hard times because it is a time of training. If you do everything for your children to protect them, they'll never learn how to stand up and do anything for themselves. Um, so so uh, uh, God drops them into this and it says, now there was a famine in the land besides the previous famine that had occurred in the days of Abraham. And that's noted in Genesis chapter 12. So Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. So Gerar, let me show you where Isaac was. So Isaac probably was living down here in Beersheba. And, and uh, uh, Gerar is not on this map, but it's very close to Gaza. It's just about right here. It's right along the coast. Uh, uh, and so it's not that far. It's about... So this is a 20-mile scale, so it's about 20 or 25 miles. So he didn't go far if he, if he was indeed in Beersheba, where, where they, they often were, or just south of Beersheba in that other town that they have spoken of. So it wasn't that far from where he went. Why he went to, to, uh, um, to Gerar, I'm not sure, but I can only speculate. Gerar is right on the Mediterranean. Maybe they could live on fish if there's a famine in the land. I mean, it, it, it's closer to the coast there. And then also there was peace between Gerar and the family of Abraham because Abimelech, the older Abimelech, Abimelech is a title, it's like Pharaoh, it's not a specific name. Abimelech and Abraham, remember, had a covenant between them that they wouldn't fight with each other and that their offsprings wouldn't fight with each other. So he probably felt quite comfortable going into Gerar because there had been a covenant between the two peoples. So he goes in. So Isaac went to Gerar to Abimelech, king of the Philistines. This is a different Abimelech, not the same one that that Abraham had dealt with. This is his son or his grandson. But uh, 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 they're, they're certainly familiar with each other in the king of the Philistines. Now, the Philistines didn't even exist yet. The Philistines came into the land later. They came actually from Greece. The, uh, they were Grecian and, and, uh, or Cyp- Cyprian. And they came in from, from that area later. But again, this is being written hundreds of years later and they're saying king of the Philistines, meaning king of that area where the Philistines were ultimately going to live. Again, we speak about that. We speak of the Canadian territories, even in, in speaking in the 1700s. But in the 1800s, it wasn't until the 1860s that Canada was founded. But we speak of territories and groups of people. The Bible is doing the same thing here. In verse 2, the Lord appeared to him and said... So this is an appearance. We don't know exactly how he appeared, but this is the the first appearance of God to Isaac. Previously, there had been multiple appearances 
to, to, uh, uh, to Abraham, there had been appearances to, to uh, uh, Hagar, but now this is an appearance now to Isaac. The Lord appeared to him and said, do not go down to Egypt. Now, why would God say, do not go down to Egypt? Probably because he had the intent of going into Egypt just like Abraham had done during his famine when there was a famine in the land. If you look back at chapter 12, God never directed Abraham to go down into the land of Egypt. God had directed him to go into the land of Canaan, that land, and he went to Egypt. And remember, it was in in Egypt where he picked up Hagar and ended up having thousands of years of struggles that last to this day as a result of that. But... But God specifically said, do not go down to Egypt. So he must have been thinking about going down to Egypt. He says, don't go down there. Stay in the land which I shall tell you. Verse 3, sojourn in this land and I will be with you and bless you. He says, in this land, in this land of Canaan, you're to, to sojourn in this land of Canaan. That's where I brought you. You're to stay there. Sojourn there. And I will bless you. There it is again. I will. When God says, I will, it's got to happen. I will. This is the word. It has to happen. If God says, I will or I shall, it has to happen. When he says, it will happen, it shall happen, it's going to have to happen. Heaven and earth can't stop it. Trust in the word of God is imperative. I believe every word in this book. And and, And what would you like to say about that? Would you like to say, well, maybe... Maybe if Dr. Tour knew more about science, he wouldn't believe that book like that. Okay, tell me that. All right? So, I believe every word in this book. I see no contest between the scriptures and science. No contest. There's no confliction. There, there, there's no discord between the two. And so, God says, I will bless you. You stay in this land, I will bless you. You know, if God says, if you stay in this place, I will bless you. I'm like, I am not moving. (laughs) I'm going to stay right here. Because your blessing and your peace are upon me. If you do not believe the word of God implicitly and in every aspect, you will lose the high ground in all discussions concerning God. You will lose the high ground in sharing the gospel. It will be very hard for you to share the gospel in a convincing manner if you do not believe this book. Very hard for you. And you will see that you'll have tremendous trouble getting people to believe these sorts of things when you yourself don't believe it yourself. It says, says, and I will be with you and bless you, for to you and to your descendants I give all these lands. Remember to Abraham, it was first to his descendants. And then later on in Abraham's life, it was to you and to your descendants. Right up front, he tells to Isaac, to you and to your descendants. He confirms to Isaac what he had told Abraham. It's to you, Isaac, and to your descendants. I've given this land. And again, this word descendants is seed singular. And the New Testament tells us what that word seed means. That means Jesus. That means the Messiah. I give it to you and to your descendants, and I will give it, give these lands, and I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. I will establish the oath which I swore to your father Abraham. In other words, I made an oath. I made a promise to your father Abraham, and I will establish it. This is a legacy. Do you see the legacy here? This is for Abraham and his descendants. Now God is fulfilling that. There are promises that God gives to us. 
and we will see blessings that He promises to our children if we will walk with Him. Verse 4, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and will give your descendants all these lands. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heavens. The same thing that He told to, to Abraham, He told to Isaac. These are going to be like the stars of the heavens. They're going to be innumerable. And I'm going to give you, you these lands. Again, He says this again. He's driving it home. This is your land to you and to your descendants, Isaac. This is yours. God establishes a legacy with the people whom He loves. One day you will care more about this than you do now. When you have children, you will care more about their welfare than you do about your own welfare. This is just normal for a parent. You would die a hundred times for your child if you had to. You would do that. You'd give your life instantly for your child. You want more for your child than, than you want for yourself. I could always get the attention of a man in prison. If he wouldn't give me his attention, I would say, do you have children I could pray for? Right away, he would stop and look at me. Because everybody wants the best for their children. I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven, and I will give your descendants all these lands, and by your descendants all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Wow! By your descendants... All the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Isn't that interesting? By your descendants, all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. There are promises that God makes to us. Promises that extend beyond us and to our children. He said, I'm going to bless all the nations of the earth. I'll tell you, I I look over my children's lives. I have four children. God has blessed me with four children. And they, they've, they've been good children. They've never given us any troubles. Not, nothing, any, no big trouble. I mean, one day, you know, a teacher once called and said, your, your son is not being respectful in the class. So the next day in his math class, I showed up. And I sat in a chair in the back before he came in. He came walking in with his friends. And they were like, Josiah, your father's over there. He looked at me and I looked at him and he got, he got kind of stiff and he went and sat in his seat and, and uh, um, then at the end of the class I walked over to him I said just stay here and I, we talked to the teacher together I said I think you owe her an apology and, and, uh, um, and then I told her the teacher in front of Josiah I said next time I come if I come you don't have to put a seat in the back for me I will share the seat with Josiah. (laughs) He was never bad in that class again. It was never any trouble. Now, he did tell me, Dad, she is so boring, so boring. And after I sat in her class for a day, I had to agree with him. But, But, I mean, she was one of these teachers that would, it was a math class that she would cover the whole board in mathematics and then just stand there and talk, which is the worst way to teach. But in any case, he had to show respect to her. And, and, and so that, that, that was the extent of trouble that I've had with my children. All four of them. That was it. And, and, uh, uh, but I want the world to be impacted through their lives. Through their lives. There is a promise here. Now, why would God say this? Why would God say, 
your descendants, all the nations of the earth, shall be blessed through your descendants. Why would God say that? Oh, funny you should ask. Verse 5. Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge and my commandments and my statutes and my laws. Because Abraham obeyed me, I'm going to bless the world through his children. Because Abraham obeyed me, my commandments, my statutes, my charge, my law. There was no law of of Moses yet. But there were things that God had instructed Abraham to do. There were covenants. There was the there was an Adamic covenant, a covenant with Adam. There was an Edenic covenant, a, a covenant in in uh, uh, the Garden of Eden. There was a Noahic covenant, a covenant with Noah. He had an Abrahamic covenant that Abraham was to keep his ways, keep the ways of God. When we obey the ways of God, there is great blessing that comes upon us and upon our children. When we go against the blessings of God, the the ways of God, there are things that come upon us and upon our children that are negative. What you do affects your offspring. What you do that is good and right affects them for good. What you do for wrong and for evil affects them for evil. You take a man who will walk in evil ways. He may be a wonderful father when he's around his kids, but if he's walking in an evil way, if he's, if he's being a crook in business, that is going to affect his children. For sure that will affect his children. Even if he doesn't ever reveal that to his children, what he's doing, these things transfer There are blessings that transfer. You walk uprightly, there are blessings that transfer. You don't, and there there are, are, these same things will come upon a man, it will destroy marriages, and that destroys children's lives. So, if you, if you look at this, it says, because he kept my charge. Now let's turn to, um, let's, let's turn to Psalm 112, verse 1 and 2. Psalm 112, verse 1 and 2. It says, in Psalm 112, verse 1, it says, Praise the Lord. How blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. He says, how blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. If you fear God and keep his commandments, you will be blessed. So exactly what it says about Abraham, you fear God, you keep commandments, you'll be blessed. But it doesn't stop there. Verse 2 of Psalm 112. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. His descendants will be mighty on earth. The generation of the upright will be blessed. The best thing that I can do for my children is to walk before God in the fear of Him and walk according to His ways. That is the best thing that I can possibly do for my children is to walk in the fear of God and according to His ways. Because blessing will come upon my descendants if I do that. This is how you bring blessing into your home, blessing into your family. I'll tell you, I, I mean, I've been married for, for more than 37 years and I love to be with my wife. I don't want, I, I don't covet anybody else's wife. No way. I got the best. I mean, for me, she is the best. That woman is filled with joy. Every morning she is just filled with joy. And she blesses so many people. And every day I'm like, God, thank you for this woman. 
I mean, thank you for what she's done. Thank you for her life. And my kids love her so much. They love her so much more than me. They're always telling me how nice mom is. And I'm thinking, what am I, chopped liver? I never hear them say anything good unless she'll tell them, say something good to your father. (laughs) But they love her so much because she's so good to them and kind to them. And you just see the blessings of God that have come. There are blessings that transfer. These sort of blessings transfer. They come down one upon another. Turn to, um, turn to another passage here. Turn to John, John chapter 12. John chapter 12. And we're going to start reading from verse 26. John 12, 26. Jesus said in John 12, 26, If anyone serves me, he must follow me. Where I am, there shall my servant also be. And if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. I was telling this to a couple of my graduate students this past week, a couple of my graduate students, both of them being believers. And, and uh, uh, one of them, because he's so active in service and serving in his church, he, he's, he, he's in his second year of graduate school, and he's active in, in the worship in, group in his church, and he's serving on Wednesday nights in a WANA class, which is working with the kids. And I said, do you know how much God's going to bless you for that? He looked at me a little strange. I said, God is going to bless your career so much. And I made this little video that I'm going to put up on, on this Dr. James Tour YouTube channel. Because after I talked to these students, I said, others have to hear about this. My colleagues have said to me, why, why do you give so much attention to these students? Why You're teaching them, you have them to your house. Why do you do this? I'm like, you don't understand. I'm building my career. Don't you understand these inventions that we've had, these discoveries that we've had? These have dropped into my lap because God is giving to me back multiples over and over, pressed down, shaken together, overflowing. They'll burst into your lap. That's what the scriptures say. Jesus said, if anyone serves me, in John 12, 26, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. There is great honor in service. When I see young people shy away from serving because they say they're too busy, I'm like, you have no idea. You have no idea what you're jipping yourself out of. The blessings that could come to you if you would learn to serve. The blessings that would come to you if you'd learn to be active. And just showing up is not serving. The blessings that would come to you. God blesses when you give of yourself, when you give of your time, when you give of your resources. Jesus said, if anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. The Father is saying just, boom, i got to honor him. Because Abraham kept my commandments, did what I told him to do. I'm blessing you, Isaac. Because he did that, I'm blessing you, Isaac. So that it extended to his children. You may say, well, that, that just goes for, um, for Jewish people. Oh yeah? Turn to Romans chapter 4. We've looked at this before. We're going to look at it again. Everything I just told you applies to you if you're in Christ. If you are in Christ, this also applies to you. Romans chapter 4, verse 16. For this reason, it is by faith, in order that it may be in accordance with grace, so that the promise will be guaranteed to all the descendants, 
not only to those who are of the law, but to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is father of us all. As it is written, a father of many nations have I made you. Whenever it speaks of a father of many nations, this is goyim. This is this word goyim, which speaks not just of Israel, but of Israel and all the other nations. All the nations. Any Jewish rabbi will talk about this. When it speaks of many nations, it's going beyond Israel. This is for you. If you have the faith of Abraham, if you walk in the faith of Abraham, this comes upon you. You want your children to impact this world? Do you want to impact this world with your career? Here's how you do it. It is not just by, you you, you know, just 100% focus on the job. It is service to the Lord. Service to the Lord blesses your career and through that is a blessing to the world. You want to excel in your career? Learn to have a life of service. And then the Father will look upon you and just say, I want to bless that person. And then all of a sudden, what a discovery. I mean, my student brought me this result just a month ago and I was like in shock what we discovered. It it, it wouldn't mean much to you if I describe the details to you. But what what this will do, it, it will allow fuel cell cars to have, a, have a, a hydrogen gas fuel tank that doesn't have to be 7,000 PSI and spherical upon which you will set your little baby on the back seat. You can just have a regular fuel tank. Doesn't, and this will open the way for these fuel cell cars. Um, that's a big deal. That's really a big deal. The Bible says you and your descendants will be a blessing to this world. Fuel cell car doesn't blow out any CO2. You know, this is an important thing. There's no carbon dioxide emissions from this. So, the Bible says this falls upon you. If you're of the faith of Abraham, extends to many nations. That's what he's talking about. In the life, uh, uh, in the presence of him whom he believed, even God who gives life to the dead and calls into being that which does not exist. That's verse 17. Of, of Romans chapter 4. God calls into existence that which does not exist. In hope against hope, he believed, so that he might become the father of many nations. Again, the father of many nations, according to that which has been spoken, so shall your descendants be. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. The man was as good as dead. You may think that, you know, I I don't have much time left, I mean, in life. It doesn't matter. He looked at his own life. He says, what's going to happen? And God's promise prevailed. Then he says, yet with respect to the promise in verse 20, yet respect, well, I I skipped one verse, so 19, without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead, since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, but grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured. That's not question, it's fully assured. Being fully assured that what God had promised, he was able to perform. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. Now, not for his sake only was it written that it was credited to him, but for our sake also. Who's Paul writing to here? He is the apostle to the Gentiles. And he's saying, for our sake also, to whom it will be credited 
as those who believe in Him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, He who was delivered over because of our transgression and was raised because of our justification. It was because of the Lord. It's because of the Lord and His resurrection. If you do not know the Lord, none of this comes upon you. You first have to know Jesus Christ and His resurrection. I urge you to come to know the Lord today. We're going to have a lunch after this and we're going to get together. And if you do not know the Lord, you are sitting with me and, and, and uh, your time is, is with me for lunch. We're going to eat lunch together. I just want to tell you my story about the Lord. Allow me to do that, please. I want you to fall into these blessings too. I want you to know this Jesus whom I know, who is altogether wonderful, altogether kind, altogether gracious in every respect. Know Him. Know Him who can take you through the famines that occur in life, who can take you through the hard times, who will shower upon you grace upon grace and blessing upon blessing as you walk with Him according to His ways. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank You so much for Your mercies and for Your grace. Lord, I pray for these young people here who do not know You. Father, that they would come to know You this very day this very day, we would see them saved. Father, draw them to you. And Lord, I pray for the believers who are here, that they would take hold of the truth of your word. That if they be like Abraham and trust you and follow your ways, follow your statutes, and if they be in service to our Lord Jesus Christ, that they would experience the honor of God. And it's not just for them but upon their children, that their children will be mighty on earth and through their generations the world will be blessed. Lord, bless them richly, I pray. Bless them richly. Draw these young people to Jesus and I commit them to you. Oh Lord, draw them. I commit their lives so precious. I commit them to you. In the name of Jesus. Amen.